For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Where is it? I was hoping just one person would say it, because then I could give you a bouncy thing as a prize. But I think you were first-ish. So this is for you, for knowing where that is. I just wanted to check. I thought it was an important start to the day. There are loads of ways to learn to swim. There are a whole load of ways that you can learn to swim. I have a list, and this list has no preference. This list has no uh, hierarchy, and it's not an ex- like an extensive list. There's probably other ways that you could learn to swim, uh, but I've made a list, and I think my list is pretty good. And so I'm going to explain my list to you. We have the traditional way of learning to swim. The traditional way, which is when you come of age, uh, a parent or guardian enrolls you into a swimming class, and then in that swimming class, um, from my own memory, I just swam backwards and forwards lots, like lots and lots. And every week I would go and I would swim backwards and forwards, and eventually I would swim backwards and forwards and they wouldn't let me stop at the end, and apparently that earned me more badges. And then the lessons got interesting, because then... They went from swimming backwards and forwards to uh, the person who was running your class throwing really heavy objects into the pool and making you dive down and collect them for them. As a child, I thought they were lazy. Now I appreciate that sometimes things are dropped into water and I need to go down and get them. But nothing quite matches the traditional way of learning to swim, and I'm going to have a show of hands on this, like the lesson where they tell you to bring your pajamas. Anyone remember the pajama lesson? Okay, so for those of you who didn't have the privilege, basically what happened is one session would finish and you'd get a letter to take home and the letter would say, please can Tim bring uh, pajamas next session? So I came in my best Thunderbirds pajamas and I was basically made to swim all of the lessons I'd done previously in pajamas. Apparently preparing me for if I ever happened to go swimming at night in my jammies. (laughs) But that's a very common way to learn to swim. Going through lessons kind of passing, getting badges. Then there is, uh, and please, I'm not going to go into the medical side of this, and for those of you who know the medical side of this, uh, please don't tell me all the things that I get wrong, but it makes a really good point. Uh, There's uh, swimming from birth, uh, the general concept that the baby is delivered into water, uh, and that we know how to swim and be underwater, and every moment from being outside of water, we forget, uh, which answers the whole question of a children genius. Quite clearly they're geniuses. They just forget because the rest of us make them silly. And then they start to relearn it all because we got older and wiser. Um, But they are born into water. Nirvana made a very famous uh, CD cover with this on. This idea that from the minute we began, we began in water. And we can remember that. Then, possibly my favorite, can't guarantee if you won't learn this way, we have crisis learning. This is probably the most popular way of teaching a child to swim on the internet. And it is where an over-exuberant parent or guardian takes a small child to the end of a pier and throws said child (laughs) into the water and watches. And this poor child is presented with two options, and amazingly, they learn to swim very quickly in that situation. What I always find curious is how many onlookers decide it is a far better idea to film this than to do anything for the poor child. But there is a good side to this. This tends to result in two things. One, a very competent swimmer and a life of resentment. Because it's not necessarily the long-term best way to learn. And then there's those who can't. 
There may well be some of you in here who can't swim. Maybe uh, you went to lessons and something went wrong and you just decided to come out. It just wasn't for you. Maybe some of you never needed to. Maybe for some of you, you just had no interest in it. Opportunity wasn't there. As I grew up, I had lessons. And uh, they generally consisted of someone shouting commands at me. Um, and it started in a swimming pool at the back of my old school, which was freezing. And in truth, wasn't a whole lot bigger than this, uh, which amazes me that I can swim. Uh, then we moved to a pool in Western Supermare, right by the beach. Um, and that was full of sand, which didn't fill me with confidence. It wasn't just a big hole in the side that filled up with seawater. Um, but they were the places that I learned to swim. And the whole time uh, I learned, I had the privilege of someone stood beside the pool ready to jump in if anything went wrong. But we have four kind of ways of engaging with swimming. The traditional way from birth, in a crisis, and then those of us that can't. I don't know how you see church. I don't know how some of you see faith. Today, Jared is going to get baptized. I hope, still. He's going to get in a pool of water. Fortunately, the pool of water is shallow enough not to need to swim. But he's going to get into a pool of water... And he's going to be baptized. So the question is why? Why would he do this? I have the privilege of knowing him. And part of that is because he wants to say to all of you, he believes in Jesus. He knows his life isn't what it should be. Yet he also knows that Jesus loves him for who he is. So I don't know how you see church or faith but I want to challenge you this morning that maybe through this service, through Jared's baptism, his stance might change yours. For those of you concerned why on earth I talked about swimming, uh, I find these uh, ideas of swimming translate very easily into the idea of faith. It's not a big leap to work from swimming to faith. Traditional birth crisis can't. The Bible, fortunately, is filled with groups of people who are like us. It puts us in very good company. In Exodus, we read of Joshua, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. We've got people like David. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in their spirit because his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Maybe you fall into this category, like the rich young ruler. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad, because he had great wealth. The Bible doesn't exclude us. The Bible is full of us. No matter where we fit into the scale, no matter how we see faith as a traditional thing, as a birth thing, as a crisis thing, and maybe for some of us, we just can't do the whole faith thing. I imagine, I'm taking a stab, there might be some of you here who fall into this wonderful traditional category. You could probably mark it on your calendar. We've got Christmas, we've got Easter, we're going to put a carol service in somewhere. We might come to an armistice service. If someone's getting baptized, we'll probably come out. And if there's a wedding or a christening, we'll come to church. We are traditionalists. We pick the traditional Christian calendar and we will show up for the tradition of it. 
For a lot of those amongst us that would lean into a traditional way, we see church as something that you tap into, something that you come to once in a while, engage with. It's old, it's redundant, it's done, it's lovely for those that still need it, but for me, I'll pop in when I need to. I keep it as a tradition, I don't want to break too far from it, but likewise, it's not really doing anything for me week to week. Maybe that's how you see faith. Maybe that's how you see church. People are stacking it, going round and round after, week after week. I respect that, I do. I have no issue with you, but I pray today through Jared's view of faith, through Jared's baptism, that you would see tradition is not what it's all about. Tradition does a huge disservice. For others here, it might be a birth thing. This is all you've ever known. For some of you, it might have been all you've ever known. That whole thing where you just ended up in church and you don't really remember why and you were brought Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and then that magical moment happened. I imagine probably 16 or 17, Sunday morning came around and instead of the whole call to get up and get ready, the question was, do you want to come? And without missing a beat, you rolled over, went back to sleep disengaged. For some of us, we are brought up in church. We know the right answers. We know how to play the game. But we've wandered away. We got bored. Didn't really do anything for us. Never engaged us. No one our age here. Just because we grew up from birth in the church doesn't mean we get it. Some of us have only ever known it and we still miss it. For those of you who maybe grew up within church and walked away, it didn't do anything for you, again, I respect that. At 17, I did exactly the same thing. But again, I pray today that you, through seeing Jared's willingness to be baptized, his willingness to make a statement for what he believes, that you would see, just because you didn't get along with church and faith and God once, doesn't mean that's the end. Doesn't mean it's all over for you. It doesn't mean God hasn't still got something for you now. Crisis. This is, I would suggest, probably the most common understanding of faith worldwide. Crisis is those moments of prayer when you are in absolute desperate need. Lord God, please help me find a parking space because I really need to get to da 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 da. The crisis prayer. I'm aware there might be something going on around me. There might be something bigger than I am. I don't really need it. But when I do need it, I want to know it's there. I want to know it's there. You don't see church and faith and God as part of the day-to-day life. It's too much commitment. It's too much going on there. But you want to know that there is someone on your side when things get hard. For some of you, you'll have those amazing friends in your life that always seem to be there, always seem to pick you up, always seem to support you. I would like to take a stab. Many of them will have a faith. Many of the most dependable people in my life are some of the most committed Christians I know, and I believe that's a direct relationship between how consistently they spend time with God. Those in my life that seem to panic the most tend to deal with God in a crisis moment the most. 
Learning to swim by being thrown into the sea off the end of a pier is not an ideal way to learn. Relying on God in a crisis moment when everything around you is falling apart is not the best introduction to God. Feeling like you're drowning is not the best time. I pray for those of you who have made those prayers, and please don't think I'm belittling those prayers by the parking. I'm aware those prayers are deeper and more profound for each of us. We've prayed some crisis prayers in horrendous moments. But I pray this morning as you watch Jared get baptized that you would realize God is there in the crisis. And he's there in the celebrations. He's there in the hard times and the good times, the highs and the lows, the best and the worst. God isn't just there when you need him. He's there always. Finally, there might be those of you here who just can't. Can't. Maybe you did it before. Maybe you fell into tradition. Maybe from birth. Maybe there was a crisis moment. But for some reason, you've got to that point where you just can't do the God thing. God, I've made too many mistakes. I can't. I can't come to church because people in my life would think I'm crazy. I can't. There's too many things in the way. You might paddle in the water, come along for those special occasions when there's someone you care about. But the problem is the can't runs much deeper. For some of us, we can't do God and church and faith because we grew up in church from birth. And the damage that that did was too profound. Some of us can't because we knew this is the tradition that we always had and yet somehow it fell through when we needed it. Some can't because you look at the crises in your life and in the world and you question how could a loving God let that happen. There are some can'ts in here, I'm sure of it, who are so hurt by church and by faith that they won't anymore. Those of you who have been hurt by church, let down by Christians or felt like God abandoned you, um, I want to make an apology. I'm sorry. I'm genuinely sorry. Sorry for all the times that people have got God wrong in your life. Sorry for all the times that the church has decided that power and project was more important than vulnerability. So I apologize. I'm sorry for the times I've done it. I'm also very sorry that there has ever been room for you in your life to feel like God doesn't care about you. It's not true. For those of you who can't, I pray through Jared's decision to get baptized and his willingness to say publicly that he loves Jesus, that he is willing to take a stand and say he knows God loves him. I pray that somehow... That somehow God would break through and all those can'ts that you hold would re be replaced by his cans. I don't know how you see church or faith, but today Jared is going to be baptized. He's going to get into a pool of water shallow enough not to need to swim and he is going to be baptized. Why? Because Jesus died. Because Jesus died on a cross. Because Jesus died on a cross 
to say, I love you. You'll remember at the start, we read that incredibly popular verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. I wonder how many of us hold on as dearly to John 3.17. Not to condemn the world, but to save it. Not to condemn the world, but to save it. God, the creator of heaven and earth, loves you. Every single one of you. Traditionalists from birth, the crisis, the can'ts. He welcomes us all. He loves us all. And today, on Easter Sunday, we remember he lives. That he overcame death. He left the grave empty. I close with this. As Jared decides to get baptized, he makes a statement. He makes this statement. My saviour lives. I ask you, does yours.